Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Promised Land, a brand new show talking all things Manchester United, brought to you by the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Saunders, and I'm joined by football journalist and United season ticket holder, Rob Blanchett. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Scott. How are you? I'm very well. I'm really excited to get this going. I mean, it's been a long time in the making. Um, and we just really hope that uh, you'll really enjoy what we're going to discuss. It's going to be all things Manchester United. We're going to try and bring it to you once a week, each week. If we really like it, I don't know, maybe we'll do twice. We'll see. Um, but we'll start out at once a week for now. Most likely on a Tuesday. I haven't really cleared with that with you yet, Rob, but I think a Tuesday <laughs> might work well for me. Uh, we're going to take a little bit more of a laid back approach to uh, to United. All things United, their fixtures, their results. You know, you do kind of get these uh, reactionary videos or all this kind of stuff. Um, get him out of the team. This set piece was a disaster. Uh, all of this kind of stuff. We kind of want to take our time, analyze the situation, bring you some kind of measured analysis on United. Um, and I think Rob and I are the. We've been speaking for a little while. I think we're. I think we're on the same page. I think we know what we both want. So um, hopefully, you like it. Um, and hopefully you want to come here for some relaxing chat about how good Manchester United are. Because on Saturday, uh, Manchester United kicked off the Premier League season against Leeds. Um, Rob, you were there. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But make sure to follow us both on social media. Um, I love a bit of Twitter chat. So I'm at underscore Scott Saunders. And you can find Rob at underscore Rob underscore B. Is that right? That's right. That's right. That's I mean, there's too many underscores in there. I don't know about you, but um, somebody has taken my Twitter handle, so I can't have Scott Saunders. Um, but <laughs> it'll do. It'll do. It's fine. Um, all right, let's get on with it, shall we? So 5-1 win over Leeds uh, in the opening Premier League game of the season. Rob, you were there. 75, 76,000 fans. What a day it was. Um, from your perspective, I mean, going back to the ground, you've been going for, for a long, long time. How did that how did how did that feel for you? It was it looked so good because like I couldn't make it. Um, you know, I watched it on TV, but it looked so good. Uh, just talk me through your day, the experience, everything. Well, it was just so good to be back, almost in a crowd, with something that looked like normality. You know, seeing our football team going there, experiencing all the match day hype that you do, the feelings that you feel, the the flutters and the heart racing. It was just great to actually be back at Manchester United and, and in a scenario that I've been going to since I was eight years old. So I feel very blessed and lucky to to be one of those fans that gets to go to all the games. Obviously, it's my job as well, but I'm a Manchester United supporter. Um, and to obviously see a opening day of that manner, you know, 5-1 against a team that we let's say we don't like we don't like Leeds United I would say um that was just magnificent yeah there was always the nerves there with the opening day but actually felt more like a kind of just a reintroduction to football and that was that was the best uh bit about it just to talk to people the guys who obviously sit around us and uh and chatting and then it just all played out beautifully didn't it you know couldn't it have been a, a better day at the office if we tried I mean that um that equalizer from Luke Ayling was a it was a little bit of a worry but the way United reacted um and absolutely blew leads away it was a breath of fresh air I know we saw the 6-2 last season um I actually think United played better on Saturday than they did last season in that win um but it was just it's great to see I mean like I think the whole day um was really set off really well by a 
what was uh, looked like a pre-planned unveiling of Rafa Varane. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Um, but that seemed to set in motion an amazing atmosphere. And, you know, United's performance, I don't know whether the players got really amped up by that and they could really feed off the crowd. Uh, it was it was just really nice to see and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Uh, I feel like United have turned a corner this summer with some of the signings that they've made. Um, but what was it? What was it about that performance for you? Were there any notable performances that stood out? I mean, the obvious ones being Bruno Fernandez's hat trick, uh, Paul Pogba's four assists, which um, should probably get a bit more credit than they they have done in the last <laughs> few days. Um, but Victor Lindelof was quite good. I mean, there were there were so many performances in there um, that stood out. But what was what was the main thing for you? For me, it's about know-how. So it's about what a team does and how they look, how they present themselves and how they kind of manage a game. And I think Manchester United over the last two or three years, my main criticism of them has been that, looking like a team that wants to do well, but doesn't quite have the knowledge to do it, doesn't quite have the quality to do it, and just kind of hiccups, hits the speed bumps way too often. There was no real speed bumps there except Alien's goal. He said that came from a, a little bit, a little mistake from one side of the pitch. Goes across to Alien. He smashes it in the top corner. And we're all sat there with our hands on our heads going, here we go. But within five minutes, United had righted that wrong. And, you know, the performances of specifically Paul Pogba and, uh, and Bruno Fernandes, obviously, in the way that they combined and, and really overpowered Leeds. That was what, I, what really impressed me, to see that United had players in the team who went out there and dictated. And we just haven't seen that for years, even going back to maybe the end of the Fergie era. So we're talking best part of a decade. You know, we had obviously the Van Persies and the Rooneys and all those kind of players. You know, the end of the Ferdinand era, Patrice Evra. Since then, we've not really had a collective that go out there and dominate. And that performance was 100% dominant. First game of the season, you know, we can't get too excited. But I think we can enjoy what we saw. And that was that it was United looking like they mean business. And they need to do this every week now. You know, we can't go into future games and and see a decline in in the way they put themselves out on the pitch. But I just think it was a, it was kind of a beautiful day just to see that they actually... They, they had that energy and had that motivation. And as I said in a few things that I've done this week, it was almost like they were offended when Leeds scored. And they were like, we need to write this wrong very, very quickly. <laughs> Can you just, um, while we're on that, just uh, just let us know where you are, Rob. Um, just just a, li- a little interjection. Uh, where can we find you? I know, I know we've already spoken about Twitter, but uh, just tell us about what you're doing at the moment. Uh, well, you can find me in various places, but one of the things I'm doing at the moment, my main podcast, is a show called The Masterclass. It's a tactical podcast about Manchester United. Uh, you can find it on all your normal podcast channels. And if you follow me at uh, Twitter, which, as you just said, there is underscore Rob underscore B, quite easy to remember. Or you just put Rob Blanchett into the search engine. It should all come up. But that's our, our regular gig. We're, tra- we're doing that show now. We did it last year. And obviously, off the back of the pandemic, and people wanting maybe say information that that you couldn't really find with journalists not going to games because it, we'd had that taken away from us for obvious reasons. Um, we wanted to do a show like that, and we had such great success of it last year, but we did our first episode after the Leeds games. We always go uh, live the following day. So, you know, Manchester United play on a Saturday or Sunday. You'll find the podcast live either on Sunday or Monday. But uh, that's our, my main podcast gig at the moment. Obviously, we're doing this together as well, Scott. And, uh, and you should hear a lot more from me. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, once a week on a Tuesday, we're going to aim for that. Um, if that changes, you'll have to follow us on Twitter because we'll put our updates out there. Um, but I did want to, I, I know we went off topic there a little bit, Rob. That will happen. I'm just going to say, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very prepared to kind of throw things around, keep it interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll section things off, but um, maybe we'll just go down a different path or two here and there. Um, the Leeds game, do you feel as though, United did that to Leeds last season. Do you feel as though Leeds' way of setting up, maybe, does that give a little bit of false hope in a, in a sense? Because United have had issues with other teams, but they, they managed to smash Leeds last season as well. So is there, I know there's a lot of happiness around that victory, um, but does it really give a measure of where United are or are we going to have to wait and see in future games? I think, I think it does when you look at the performances. So United did smash Leeds last year, but then Leeds righted the wrong in the next game by being a little bit more defensive. You know, we know how Bielsa plays football. He has that kind of all-encompassing pressing style. And uh, and that's what Leeds did last season. That's why they were successful and why everyone, you know, they were kind of everyone's second favourite team because they were chasing games and being exciting and all of that. Absolutely be- not. <laughs> I'm not, not having that as a not, United not, fan. <laughs> not, us, not our second favourite team, but let's just say the general consensus of football fans uh, across the planet. But um, I think the differences in the performances for me really were what I've just said there was that there was know-how. So yes, United did do really well in the 6-1 when they beat Leeds but with this performance 5-1 at Old Trafford there was much more know-how to deconstruct the opponent it wasn't really a smash and grab it wasn't really taking advantage of Leeds being too overt in their attacking this time Leeds did still sit they played a kind of man-for-man press but United had much more about them in terms of putting the ball on the deck passing making sure they were playing between the lines And I think the key this year is obviously United playing in the channels. If they play in the channels well and you get Greenwood running the channel and you can obviously get Pogba playing higher up the pitch and you get Bruno playing as a kind of more classical number 10, you've got a big opportunity there to score lots of goals. So they have to now carry it on. Obviously, Southampton's next game and we need to see these things repeat themselves in a good way. In the same way that you see it with Manchester City, don't you? When When they play well, they play well 20 games in a row and they win 18 of them. That is what it takes to be champions. And that's what Manchester United are going to have to do this season. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing that might... I don't want to give Liverpool and City credit, given they're the two major rivals, but they have shown in the past couple of years that with the teams that they do have, that they are able to put in, put in that 20-odd games winning streak or 22 games or 25 games unbeaten, all that together in order to put a title charge together. And I think United have lacked at times maybe that confidence uh, in a sense to that they can do it. I think there was a, a phase last season, perhaps around the turn of the year where United were, it was just a little bit of confidence growing that 21 was, was coming, coming home. Uh, and then it kind of petered out a little bit and City pulled away. Um, I feel like there's enough, especially with the, the signing of Iran, uh, who's a, just a proven winner. I feel like there is starting to get a lot more confidence and that's starting to build uh, Varane will definitely help with that. Jaden Sancho's obviously joined and he'll bring something completely different. Um, but I think the thing for me, uh, Bruno Fernandes, I, this is our first podcast, Rob. So we're, I'm just, if we're harping back to stuff that's already been told, um, I'm fine with that given we need to kind of position ourselves and say where we are. I think Bruno Fernandes is absolutely incredible. He, the, 
he's obviously a great footballer, but his mentality and his the his desire to win and to drive forward is, I think, that has completely changed United. And adding Varane and Sancho to that um, and getting... He, he brings up the personality of players, you know, he brings up the kind of confidence levels and expectation. He sets the bar higher um, for me. So to see him get a hat trick the other day um, and say, oh, I saved that for the fans who were coming back in. Uh, I particularly enjoyed the uh, the picture of the match ball in the passenger seat of his car as well. Um, it's, it's just great to see because like, he gets a lot of unfair stick for, oh, he doesn't do it in the big games, all of this kind of stuff. But anybody watching can surely see the impact he's made on this team. Um, where do you, obviously he's a, he's a, one of the first names on the team sheet, if not, if not the first name on the team sheet as it stands. Um, how many more Brunos do United need, Rob? Well, we'll um, given the transfer window is, you know, two weeks, I think we're just shy of two weeks away from it closing. Um, how many more Brunos or that kind of personality or, you know, what other positions do they need to really fill um, before the window is closed? Because I feel like they're still maybe lacking something, where do you think they are lacking? I think it's all about maybe how the next few weeks unfold first and foremost. So how many more Brunos do we need? Well, we only need the one. That's how I look at it. In the same way that, say, City only need one De Bruyne. It's just what you give Kevin De Bruyne to go and be the best version of himself, isn't it? So I think that's what we're seeing with Bruno Fernandes. When he was at Sporting, this was one of the things, a piece I wrote about, about Bruno and saying that he was the right character for United. And people didn't really know a lot about him at that point, I'd say, across maybe fans of the Premier League who are more focused on English football. But the idea was to bring someone in who just had a bugbear, you know, didn't like losing didn't like being on the wrong end of a drumming and wants to go there and win trophies. And that's his character. And that was why I think it was important that he came to the football club when he did. But you're just saying there, you know, what else do we need? It's more about now with the injuries. If you can keep everyone fit with what you've got, you've bought in Varane, a World Cup winner. You've bought in Sancho, a truly elite attacking youngster who's done so well at Borussia Dortmund. Even if you just integrate those two to what you have, you're going to be close. So I don't think Manchester United are as far away as they were, say, six months ago, 12 months ago, 18 months ago. I think they've made tangible moves forward. Who do you need that's actually in the marketplace? Well, you know, Messi would have been nice last week, wouldn't it? That would have been quite nice to bring in Lionel Messi. Um, that's not going to happen. But who, who else is on the market now that, that makes you better? Well, I think probably the biggest thing in terms of the marketplace, is if you sign Paul Pogba to a new contract, and I hate cliches like this, it will almost be like a new signing. Because if you've got someone there who's stable, who's going to start every week and is a world-class midfielder, again, you just go to the next level. You've got to remember, last year or two, Paul Pogba has missed a lot of games through injury, and that has affected Manchester United's performances. When you look at the stats, it's quite clear that when Pogba was dropping out of the team with these injuries that he had and the knocks, issues with his ankle consistently week after week when he, you know, he'd come back and he'd be gone then for another two weeks that hurt United's ability to get results. So I think this year, if you keep everyone fit, that's the key Liverpool when they won, what the champions league and they went and won the premier league. The big key to all of that was not who they had on the pitch was they had zero injuries. 
they lose Van Dijk last year, what happens? So I think that's the same for United. It's no good if Varane comes in and say after three weeks, you know, goes and uh, breaks his ankle and is out for six months, then United are back to square one. But what can you do about that? That's just fate. So I don't think United need anyone to go and win the title. But, you know, if you if you look at the, again, market, someone like Trippier as a cover on the right-hand side, but I'm happy with Wan-Bissaka being given the keys on the right and saying, yeah, hook up with Jadon Sancho. Yeah, you've got Varane behind you. Go and do your job. Go and do what Luke Shaw did last year. So I think United are a lot closer than maybe some fans think, and hopefully that unfolds now in the next few weeks. How would you How would you put, uh, we're going off script here, actually. I don't have this in the script, but United title charges. Let's just talk about it, shall we? Yeah. Um, now, I feel like they can challenge uh, I, I I do a YouTube channel. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube show. You might have followed me here from there um, on 90 min underscore football. Um, over on YouTube, we just passed 100,000 subs. And the the discussion from the most recent show that we did on Monday was United should be winning the league uh, from rival fans because that's the show um, all about, you know, we have one United fan, a City fan, Liverpool Arsenal, et cetera, et cetera. And these are the perhaps slightly sensationalized uh, outside perspectives. I mean, I'm coming into the season now seeing the two signings that United have made in Varane and Sancho and thinking, wow, they've actually got a lot of quality there. I'm not expecting them to win the league, but at the very least, I do want to see them get close. I want to see them challenge for the title. I feel like um, they've shown enough growth in the last three years or however long Ollie, however long Ollie has been there for. Um, it's been a steady ride. It's been quite slow, but I think he's starting to see the fruits of the labor now. Um, and Ollie's really brought this squad to a level that we haven't seen uh, in terms of quality and strength and depth since the Ferguson years. I think this is probably the best squad that United have had since. Um, but I think I think some fans still feel like a defensive midfielder, you know, an anchor in there is lacking and maybe that will hold them back uh, to actually winning the title. And given the strength of the likes of Chelsea, City uh, and Liverpool, I think it'll be it'll be a close race. Hopefully nobody runs away with it again, unless it's United. Um, but I, I can't say with confidence that they'll win the league, but I feel like they should be challenging by now. What, what Where do you stand on that? Do you think they can do it with this and they should be expected to do it because that's the ex- expectation that should be on a United team. They should be winning titles year after year, or you should be kind of going into seasons expecting that they will at least challenge. How do you how do you see it, Rob? What what will what will you be happy with this season? I think there should always be an expectation for trophies at our football club, no doubt about that. But I'm just a little bit older and I have seen the years when Manchester United won nothing. And that was kind of where I grew up. Um, it was normal to, here, here we had this football club that had won the first ever English European cup in 1968, then got relegated in the seventies then came back, you know, and, and had their periods of the doldrums, you know, before Ferguson. And even those first three or four years of Fergie, I was, I was a kid. I remember them. The football wasn't very good. And that's obviously been wiped out, hasn't it, in history, because he went and won all those trophies afterwards. But do I expect United to, to mount a title challenge? Well, yes, I do, because it's not about beating Manchester City every week. It's not about beating Liverpool every week. It's about beating Burnley. It's about beating Southampton. It's about beating Leeds United. 
You win the title, I always say, by beating the bottom 16 clubs. That's how you win the title. You can lose to City home and away. You can lose to Liverpool home and away. It's about beating those other 16 teams outside the top four. And if you do that comprehensively, hey, you're in the title challenge. You know, you might find that you, you look at the, the seasons where City have failed and that's always been their failure. You know, they've, they've, they've had hiccups against uh, smaller teams. Liverpool last season, where the year before they were beating everyone, they were then playing teams in the bottom six and losing those games. And that wasn't something that was there before. So I think for United, that's the, that's the key. Go and beat all those other teams that you can beat. Should Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and Rafael Varane and Jadon Sancho beat Southampton next week? Well, the idea is yes. Doesn't mean they will, but that is the way they should be thinking. And I think they've got that mindset now. I think Ole's been drumming that into them now for a long period of time, and he's been improving the quality. People talk about tactics, don't they, all the time? I do a tactical show, and people criticise Ole for that, and they say, oh, he's not Pep. Oh, he's not Klopp. But it's about man management. And I think, you know, putting my neck on the block here, I think this is the first time really for 10 years that we've had that man management, that we see players are happy, they want to perform, they enjoy playing for Manchester United, that badge on their chest means something, it's not just about wages, it's not just about glamour or Instagram likes and all of those things, they want to win trophies. I think United have got a set of players now that desperately want to win the Premier League. I definitely agree with you. I mean, um, I do think that perhaps they need to do a little bit more, maybe I differ uh, from you in that sense, but they should at least be, or they're in a position now where we feel like they are good enough as a group of players to at least get close. I completely agree with your point as well about the, beating yeah. the other 16 teams. It's always been the problem with United. They have a, take a big win and then the week after, it's disappointment you're back where you started, you know? And you've always got to do more. Like, you're right. Like, you've always got to do more in a transfer market. But, for instance... If you bought Camavinga tomorrow, which is obviously one of the big players linked with United, he's 18. Does Camavinga get you X amount more points this season? Well, for me, the answer is no. He's a development project. He's really, really good. You know, he's one of the best youngsters in the world. But does he make you, say, get an extra six points this season? To me, the answer to there is probably no. He probably goes out on loan or sits on our bench. You know, and that's the same with players like Amad Diallo. Great players for the future. You bring them in. Uh, you expand. You swell your numbers to get where you want to be. But I'm not sure if it actually wins you a title in a 12-month spell. But then, of course, I think someone like Varane is the next level. You know, you go and get someone like Varane who just doesn't know anything but winning trophies. You know, that's why he's called Champions League Varane. You know, that's that's the kind of mentality. If you buy a player, you know, like say you buy Jack Grealish, you know, Jack Grealish has spent his whole career in the championship and mid-table in the Premier League. It's a big jump for him now to be the guy that takes Man City to a Champions League title, I think. So I think United must make sure that their signings are shrewd uh, and 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 you've got to add methodically. We'd all have a, a big transfer every window or two transfers or three transfers. I quite often find that if you're bringing three or four players in one window, it tends to fail that year because you're integrating and it takes time and then there's injuries and one thing or another. But I agree with you. Yeah, United need more, but can be done slowly and you can still have success at the same time. They have been doing it slowly. I, rem- I remember mm. when they started off and said, we're going to do it slowly. It did seem like there would be a long time, but I feel like we're at that point now where that slow process is starting to, you're starting to see uh, exactly what it's become. Uh, just staying on transfers for a second. I mean, we've got less than two weeks of the transfer window left. As I said, we will probably in future shows touch on uh 
transfers, incomings, outgoings, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's, I think, Brandon Williams is close to joining Norwich on loan. Uh, there's always speculation about Jesse Lingard. He had a great uh, experience with West Ham in the second half of last season, performed really well. Um, perhaps the squad is a bit too bloated as it stands. Um, so in outgoings, in the sense of outgoings, is there anybody you expect uh, will be seeking the new club before the before the window closes? Is there anything that they perhaps need to shift on? Anybody that they need to shift on before incomings come in? It's a kind of balance, I think, for for Elaine United about, you know, who needs game time so you get them out of the football club. So I think Brandon is a is a real prime example there. Obviously you've seen Axel leave the football club as well. So that's all about those guys getting minutes, um, making them better and hopefully coming back to to reward Manchester United for their patience in them after a, a good season of Premier League football. But you were saying about the, the squad being bloated. I'm, I'm not sure if it is. I think in years gone by, it has been bloated and that stopped United from being successful because there was just way too much mediocrity. Now, I think there are question marks over players like Phil Jones, uh, Andres Pereira. I think even Jesse Lingard, who had a great season at West Ham last year, there was a question mark about, you know, do you move him on and bring in someone else who might be younger, but but again, a development project like a Camavinga or someone like that. And you make that choice there and then. But I think it's probably the healthiest in terms of quality and numbers that United have had for such a long time that the temptation is to run with it. Is that if you leave, if you lose too many and you get six weeks, 12 weeks into a season and maybe things are now not going how you want them to go. Got to remember last year, Mason Greenwood had a big kind of, you know, darker spell in terms of his numbers and what he was doing in his form. He found it difficult and you had to, we had to actively take him out the team and sit him on the bench to give him that time to recover. You've got to think like that. You've really got to kind of be progressive in your management. So you need numbers. You can't go mad and just completely slash the squad. But I think Liverpool at their best, I I hate going back to Liverpool and Manchester City, but Liverpool, the reason why they've been successful is that they've managed their numbers correctly and they've just had about the right numbers to to do the job. I think United are at that kind of sweet spot at the moment. I wouldn't want to see the squad slashed dramatically because I don't think that helps United this season. But of course, those players, like we just said, Phil Jones, Pereira, if they're not going to help United in the next 12 months, then you start to look for clubs for them. But again, that process is not as quick as, as many football fans think. You know, we learned this from our industry, from, from the media and talking to United, that these are quite complicated matters. Uh, and sometimes you get an opportunity, you can sell someone and you take the money and you run very, very quickly. But most of the time you have to negotiate and find the right deal for both player and club. And also without sacrificing maybe the depth of your squad. And of course, uh, with the backdrop of, a pandemic market as well. It just makes it a lot yeah. more difficult to do that with uh, particular high earners. United pay, you know, they do tend to pay a lot more than other clubs. Um, but that, that can often make it difficult to offload players. And I think there's the likes of Phil Jones, perhaps that is something getting in the way of him leaving. But um, let's let's look forward, shall we? I mean, Premier League match two, uh, Southampton away on Sunday. Uh, now, I don't know where you have put Southampton in. Have you done a season prediction show, Rob? I, I haven't caught it, but I'm just going to ask. Not, not, not a full season one, but uh, I can definitely give you my opinion on Southampton. Go for it, because I think they're going down. <laughs> um, I think I think they might just avoid relegation. I think losing Danny Ings is a disaster for them. 
Um, but I think they knew he was going. Uh, they've brought Armstrong in from from uh, Blackburn for fifteen million pounds. I think there is some hope that he could be a guy that is a surprise this season. Certainly, also for your your fantasy league numbers, a, a cheap striker that might play every week can score every other game, something like that. But I I really like Hassan Hüttel. I think he's a I think he's a smart coach, but he's not a perfect coach. And I think that you know Southampton really were challenged with a relegation battle that they might succumb this season. But there are other teams around that bracket. I said it last year about Sheffield United, and they were my tip to be bottom of the league at the start of the season, and I had a ton of flack for it. Everyone was like, Sheffield United, brilliant, mid-table team. They might come eighth. They might get in Europe, Rob. And I was like, they're one-trick ponies. Everyone will work them out. And when you look at the stats, it's quite easy to stop them. That's what happened. They got relegated. Southampton, I think, have got a little bit more savvy. You know, the system that they play, very narrow system. I think that they can still accumulate points and maybe come 15th, 16th, 17th, just hang in there for another season. But at the same time, I mean, it's going to be a tough campaign for the Saints. They are, they're not a team on the up, like maybe they were a couple of seasons ago. But again, they're, they're a funny team. They've got, they've got good team spirit. They stick together. When you look at the stats again, they work harder than pretty much any other team in the Premier League. And I think hard work gets you somewhere. You've only got to look at Burnley for that, a team that lacked quality for so long, but have survived and kept going and thriving in some people's minds, even though it may, might not be the most interesting form of football to watch. So I think it's still a tough game for United because Southampton will work and United will have to work as well. If they, if they don't work or they think we beat Leeds 5-1, this is going to be easy, we all know what's probably going to happen. That's the big challenge, isn't it? I think we have seen that with United in the past where they maybe have let themselves down a little bit with maybe thinking the job is done before it has been. Um, and Southampton gave United a big scare last season as well, um, as I'm sure you remember uh, in the Premier League. With uh, I think that was when Edison Cavani really made his name uh, with a couple of goals there. And I mean, yes, of course. Like, I mean, on on the Nightman channel, we we do speak in not extremes, but we're not ha- we're not afraid to kind of say what we think. Uh, and that'll probably carry over with uh, with this podcast on my end as well. Um, and I do kind of think that Southampton will end up going down, but at the same time, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game for United and they've got to do the job. They have the better team, but it's about getting things right and getting, uh, having the confidence and the belief and the, the mental discipline in a sense to get the job done. Uh, in the sense of who's going to start for United, they played a, a behind closed doors friendly against Burnley uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we saw some minutes for Jaden Sancho, uh, Rafa Varane didn't feature, but uh, who would you expect? What would you expect to, to for the starting eleven to be here? Uh, maybe Sancho is he had fifteen minutes or so against Leeds or however long it was, plus the behind closed doors game. I would ex- I would hope he would end up coming in for this uh, to start with. But what about Rafa Varane? I mean, he did sign uh, on. It was confirmed on Saturday. He should have a full week of training behind him. Would you bring him in straight away? Or do you think Victor Lindelof uh, should continue for now? What would you do? I think with it being the second game of the season, it will be all dictated by sports science. So again, in our other podcast, when I talk about tactics and all of those things, the reports that we get, 
a lot of these things, when we go into selection, it's about fitness levels, who's ready, who's not, not risking injury. So, for instance, saying that Varane's had minutes, or Varane's obviously had training, uh, that's great. But it probably wouldn't be great to drop him in his first Premier League game when Victor Lindorf had such a good game against Leeds, didn't he? You know, we, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and you have to make sure that you kind of let them off the leash at the right time. So I don't think we'll see Sancho start. Uh, I think you're more likely to see that he will start on the bench. I think Varane might possibly be on the bench. You might give him 15 minutes to break him in towards the end. But of course, that makes sure yeah, has, everything has to go right for you. You know, for these things to work, like the Leeds United game, they have to work and then your game plan can unfold. So I think we'll pretty much see the same team that beat Leeds. I think we'll see Greenwood operate through the middle, to the, uh, and going off into the channel. I think you might see Cavani start on the bench, but maybe being given 30, 40 minutes in the game. And I think Ole will take it one step at a time. And that is the right way in football terms to do it. Sancho's not far away. Varane's not far away. But you bring them in at the right time because there's always that risk of injury, especially when someone's trying to perform and show what they can do. If you just drop them in for 90 minutes, it's classical that they pull something after 60 or 70 or 80 minutes because they're trying their hardest. And we don't want that. You know, we want United to keep these players fit, look after these boys in the opening weeks of the season. And it is still very much a preseason vibe. You know, even though we're, we're playing for points now and this is the real thing, there is still that let's get people fit. And then let's get the selection there. You might see someone like, I don't know, Donny van der Beek come into the team because Scott McTominay did have quite a bad knock in that game against uh, Leeds, but he seemed to run it off and he seems to be bulletproof. Scott McTominay, you know, he he gets injured and he's one of those players that gets fit very, very quickly through and after injuries. Um, But I think we'll see the same selection because if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Certainly isn't broken at the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm completely with you, to be honest. I don't think there's any need to rush in Sancho or Varane. It's going to be a long season. You're thinking if, if they go deep in competitions, perhaps 60-odd games. That's a lot of football for a, a lot of players in that squad. Um, Donny van der Beek is... I'm interested to see uh, how his season progresses this season because I don't think perhaps he wasn't ready uh, last season. I think there were some of the performances uh, that he put in maybe suggested he needed a bit more time. Uh, he is... He's bulked up uh, over preseason, uh, as many people have noticed. I think he, I'd be happy to see him give him a go. Um, uh, we've mentioned Mason Greenwood a couple of times. I just love this kid. Hon- honestly, he is just gold. Uh, and obviously, Cavani is. Uh, he was late coming back from uh, from his holiday uh, after the Copper America, and Greenwood seemed to take his chance with both hands uh, on Saturday against Leeds. I, I'm probably expecting him to stay stay in the team, but Anthony Martial's been coming back from injury as well. Um, where do you what do you see Mason Greenwood's role being this season? Like, w- will he start a lot more games than he b- comes on for? Will Cavani be the the kind of bench player to come on for an impact at the end, or is it just a case of taking it game by game? It is definitely, I think, taking it game by game. And when you look at kind of United's individual moving pieces, you've You've got to kind of make them fit depending on what the opponent's doing. So I think when you look at Cavani, you look at his age, the right way to manage Cavani is that he's your impact sub. Now, again, United fans, because they love Cavani, they want to see him start every game. But certainly last year, when he started a run of games, he lost form. There's no doubt about it. He just, you know, the physicality was there. He got excited picking up knocks and it became problematic for him. On the flip side, you've got someone like Mason, who's very young. He had injuries at the end of last season. 
But you look at kind of the minutes he's played, he plays big minutes for United already, even as a kid. So I'm not really worried about how Ole's using him or how he will use him. I just think it's more about the position. So I think this year we'll see him play a lot more number nine. I think that's natural. But as we saw in the Leeds game, when he plays number nine, he's going to move to the right into that channel. And what you'll see is that Bruno moves through the middle or Sancho goes through the middle or Marcus goes through the middle and it will be much more fluid. And that's the style of football. I think that can win United the title. It's no good kind of having a rigid formation and selection and thinking that that's it. And you do that and that will that will get you to where you want to be. You've got to have all these moving pieces working. So I think with with uh, with Mason, I first saw him when he was 15 as a kid and at 15, he was mustered. You could tell that there was something special there. And every season, every year since then, he's developed himself. And, you know, Sticky Patch last year, and there were reasons for that. But I was delighted he didn't go to the Euros. I generally am when a Man United player gets picked because what happens to them? Well, you saw what happened to Marcus, obviously going to the Euros, didn't play any minutes, ended up the villain of the piece and is now out for three months injured. That's normally the script for Man United players in England. But I think when you look at Mason, he needed that time off to get fit. He needed a proper pre-season. And you saw the benefit of that against Leeds. And we hopefully will see the benefit of that now in the first two or three months of the season. I just wanted to say there, um, there's a there's a growing contingent, especially on social media, that seems to lose their minds at an eleven that drops uh, when that when that lineup template drops and you've got your list of names and was a Dan James there and people are like, what is Dan James doing in the team? Or I was just I would like to say, have some perspective, don't panic, and just have a think about how long this season is and how different players bring different qualities. It does not need to be the same eleven, the same rigid system every single week there are a lot of players in there who are versatile uh and there's a there's so much quality in there nowadays that i think we can have a little bit more confidence that uh and trust ollie he he deserves the trust that he's uh he's now getting a, perhaps a little bit more of but there's still a certain section of the fan base that perhaps don't uh have that trust in him maybe not the match going fans uh but maybe a little bit wider um, Ollie's earned that time. He's developed a lot of players in there. You mentioned Mason Greenwood, Scott McTominay, Marcus Rashford. Uh, he deserves that time to do things his way. Uh, and whichever team he picks on Sunday uh, or in the in the weeks to come, just have a little bit of faith and hopefully the, the confidence and the performances will follow. Um, I'm guessing you fancy us for a win on Sunday, Rob. I do, but we need to see consistency so if united can do what they did against leeds they'll beat southampton there's just you know that's just the way it will be they'll they'll overpower them they'll be too quick for them they'll be too skillful the individual flair will will rip them apart and united will get the three points but and this is always the but like we saw last season and maybe seasons previous united have had talent and not put in the industry so they've got to put in that in the game against Southampton. Because as I said, Southampton will outwork United and they will try to, they will say, this is our, if we want to get a point out of this game, we want to stop Manchester United. We've got to put in this elite effort. If United go there thinking, well, you know, we've just beat Leeds United 5-1 and, you know, we think we're going to win the title this year. And, you know, we'll stroll through this game in the first 30, 30, 40 minutes. We'll then be getting to what? Minute 72. It will be one all. And you and me will both be going, might even lose this game now oh my god and that happens doesn't it last season lots of big clubs did that in the early part of the season including ourselves uh, and lost a lot of those opening games by crazy score lines 
Aston Villa thrashing Liverpool, Manchester City getting turned over at home by Leicester, you know, by multiple goals, and United just not being able to win at Old Trafford for what seemed like months. So it can happen even when you've got the better team. So I expect us to win, but I'm also a little bit cautious just because I want to see more of the good stuff before we feel entirely comfortable that we're where we want to be. Yeah, I have, uh, I was quite, just to hop back to last week, I think Bruno Fernandes did uh, a post-match interview and he was asked about something along the lines of aspirations for this season. And he gave the right answer. He said, no, I'm just concentrating on the next game and we need to just concentrate on the next game. And that is what United need to learn. That's what the, the winning teams always do. They don't look too far forward. They always concentrate on the task at hand, the next task and getting that right, because that's all you can do. Go for it, Rob. Yeah, they said, just on the back of that, yeah, Bruno said that, but what I liked is what Ole said after the game in the presser. And there's a few people that said to him, you know, your your team must be buzzing. You know, they must be, you know, 5-1 amazing start to the season. They must be in the dressing room really, really happy and all that. And he kind of sat there and he was like, two or three of my lads are having drug tests. The other guys are getting changed. And they're thinking about the next game. And I was just like... Oh, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear celebrations about beating Leeds United. The fans can celebrate. Yeah, you can feel good about it. It's against a big rival. But if that's your job and that's your business and your business is winning and winning trophies and being the best you can do, after the game, you should be thinking about your warm down, getting home, resting, chilling, getting ready for training two days later. That's the job. That's how you win the league. That's why Guardiola's teams have been so good. That's why Klopp's teams have been so good, because they have mastered all of that. And United's teams were also the best at that under Fergie. So that's what I wanted to hear from my manager. I wanted to hear Olegan Solskjaer say that. I didn't want him to glow in a 5-1 victory on the opening day, because like last season, you know, Liverpool were thinking, yeah, we might win the title here. They lost Van Dijk. They got hammered by seven by Villa. And even City in the opening weeks of the season were kind of mid-table for the first seven or eight or nine games. So I don't want to see that from United. I don't want to see them being lax. I want to see focus. And Bruno is absolutely right there with what you said. It's about the next game. It's always about the next game. That's how winners win stuff. It's refreshing. It's nice. It's nice to... I feel like I can identify with United more now than perhaps in the last few years. Gary Neville's always been very forthright with he wants to like this United team uh, I think we can uh, so let's just let's have a little bit of confidence let's just trust in the players let's see the players do their jobs concentrate on the next game the next game is Southampton uh, it's on Sunday I think it's the early kickoff. Um, we'll be watching I think I'll be going down there uh, so hopefully it's a it's a good day out um, Rob I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, it's been an interesting first episode. I don't think we've done quite well, to be honest. Um, we'll, we'll have a little discussion post, post pod uh, and see where we can tweak things. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, this has been the Promised Land podcast. So this is episode one. We'll be back every Tuesday to break down the last game that United played or the upcoming fixture that they have, the massive game that they have coming up. Everything that's in the news, transfers or whatever, we'll there's no real set agenda for us. We're just going to talk about what's what's timely and what is important to us at the time. Uh, make sure you subscribe. I mean, uh, I think we're going to be on all of your usual podcast channels, whether that be Apple or Spotify and this kind of stuff. 
Uh, we'll get that set up. This is the first episode. We'll get that set up in the meantime. I think you can also find us on 90min.com if you're listening uh, in the in the little widget that we've got in our articles. But um, we'll we'll do some promotion on Twitter as well. Um, I know Rob's Rob's already started that before we even uh, before we even uh, recorded. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure, Rob. You can find Rob at underscore Rob underscore B, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back soon and enjoy the game on Sunday. We hope that we will too. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.